From Zero to One for Women, Episode 4, Abdicating Responsibility. I see there's a general trend across every facet of our existence to hand over control to someone else. The new directing mind is the government, professional bodies, schools, doctors, your employer, you name it, just not you. And kids are far from excluded. In fact, they are targeted as the most malleable and the best return on investment because of their young age. Let's do a recap of the last four years. There's been a gradual censorship in our social interactions through social media, work through corporate training and corporate policies, schools through curriculum, education and policies. Well, these are the big three, work, play and family. So the government has its tentacles in all three. It started with COVID. We were softened up for having our liberties curbed for reasons of safety. And really that ushered in a new era of control. It's the usual playbook throughout history. Use a war or something catastrophic, in our case a pandemic, something that citizens need protection from to justify an erosion of freedoms. And even those rights our forefathers highly valued, like freedom of speech and freedom of press, were under threat with COVID, and they still are under threat. Take the debate on gender dysphoria. Children are targeted in our schools. Sex education at school now includes discussion about gender dysphoria. I know this because I have two boys who attended sex education classes at school. The birds and the bees is what I thought. Okay, that's fine. My boys aged 11 and 9 were asked if it was okay for boys to be girls in terms of how they feel. Because of course now you feel your sexual identity as opposed to your biology dictating your gender. He said there was a really awkward pause and then everyone said slowly, yes, because they felt compelled. Well, that's not okay. That question is only a question that would plague a really small number of kids. It's not a general question to be snuck into the classroom by an outside sex ed consultant, no doubt paid a huge fee by us as parents, and then woven into a more general, benign discussion about gender stereotypes. So the question came at the end of a whole series of questions, getting the boys to reaffirm the dismantling of gender stereotypes. So affirming things like boys can dance, boys can like the colour pink, but the question boys can feel like a girl is not in that category. So no wonder there was a pause. And when the boys worked out the expectation of the teacher was to affirm this, they reluctantly trotted out a yes. Well, it's just awful. Stereotypes have been dismantled. Boys and girls can do anything these days. Dance, soccer, there's no limits. But changing your body with drugs and surgery is a very different topic. You can't sneak that in under the radar in sex education classes held by outside consultants in schools. And we as parents will pay for it when the whole catastrophe unfolds. When young kids think their alienation can be attributed to being in the wrong body, and are actually encouraged to think along these lines at a very early age. Trusting adults who frankly don't care about these consequences, they are the ones who will suffer, kids and parents. These woke educators are not holding these kids' hands after they've mutilated their bodies. 
And what is really sinister is they inflate the true statistics on child suicide as a result of supposed gender dysphoria to scare and shame parents into silence. I mean, how do you even know that a suicide was a result of genuine gender dysphoria anyway? Just because a psychologist hypothesizes this following consults with the child, perhaps asking leading questions. I mean, you can object in a court of law for leading a witness precisely because the answer does not necessarily reveal the truth, but simply affirms. But I'm pretty sure this is absent in a counselling session. It's certainly absent in the sex ed classes. This is actually what is happening. These sex ed classes run by psychologists or counsellors are the same ones reporting these scary statistics. I mean, suicide could also be the result of a particular mental illness which manifests in body dysmorphia or something else that wasn't correctly identified or simply as a result of going down the gender dysmorphia rabbit hole and becoming completely disillusioned because life is no better. It's so dishonest and callous to guilt parents. And the pharmaceutical companies and pediatricians and counsellors have jumped on board because it's a billion dollar industry. Just think about how many drugs a single kid has to take across their lifetime with or without undergoing surgery to transition. Our profession is demonizing them. So they have demonizing, to go... You're saying, you're saying demonizing the parents who are concerned about what's happening to their kids on the gender education front? Yes, the, the parents that will not immediately, you know, jump into affirmation and that right. are feeling very strongly that this is not, you know, the real issue, that the real issue is that the child has underlying trauma or autism or anxiety or what have you. The real issue may be that the family has had a lot of, you know, there's been crisis or there's been losses or deaths or COVID or what have you. And the family is saying, look, my child is now saying that, you know, that they're transgender, but I really feel that there's other things going on here. Mm -hmm. Why are you immediately giving us a referral to an endocrinologist for, for mm -hmm. blockers and testosterone? And those parents are, are, are traumatized because, well, they're traumatized for lots of reasons. And meanwhile, these consultants are lining their pockets as specialists in a new lucrative niche they've just discovered. And the consequences are terrible for the kids. Gender reaffirming surgery, here's a honest update. Do I regret it? Short answer is yes. Don't get me wrong, I got it done twice. It looks Barbie. Why do I regret it? Well, because I will never be able to live a normal life. After the surgery, you have to start dilating to keep the space they gave you. You start from doing it four times a day to once a week for the rest of your life. I was fine with that. See, the problem is I had major complications and now for some reason I need to do it every single day now obviously i've had relations and girls we all know guys don't know what to do so it's not really worth it to me the problem is i cannot stop if i stop it's going to close up and create a bubble and that bubble could literally create an infection that could the two options here are i dilate for the rest of my life or i get it removed surgically surgery goes for seventy thousand, and i don't want to go through that again so i guess i'm dilating when you think about it, it's also blatant mis-selling. You can't actually transition because the sexual organs don't actually work. If the product the doctors, counsellors and pharmaceutical companies sell, in other words, the new body you're being offered, was compared to the body you actually end up with, 
they would be prosecuted for gross mis-selling and negligence. The product, the new body, doesn't work as sold. You've been duped for profit reasons. And the media and other businesses have jumped onto this for profits too because marketing woke is really big business. It gives you a competitive edge. It's used to brainwash people. In business, it's slipped in under the radar and banner of corporate training. So DEI training, diversity, equity, inclusion and other training, much like the kids' sex ed classes. So these programs, which sound good in theory, but also have issues, so looking at the composition of the workplace and ensuring equality between different groups, have been hijacked for nefarious reasons with catastrophic results. I'm not being alarmist. We're brainwashing employees to think that, for example, same as what's done in the classroom, gender dysphoria affects a not insignificant number of people in the workplace. Lie. And anyone who feels alienated should think about this as a potential cause, and then these people should be signalled out for special treatment. What we are trying to manufacture is a feedback loop, and we are doing it. There's obvious monetary benefits and power that flows from being given a special voice, which allows you to further entrench the same misguided views without any debate whatsoever. So it's initially introduced for compassion reasons, and under the radar as part and parcel of particular training for staff, sounds benign, but creating subsets around a tiny, tiny group of people, and one that isn't necessarily one we want to promote and market, and automatically promoting that particular subgroup over and above other people doesn't necessarily make sense. At least we should be having a debate. Often a particular subgroup is underrepresented in management precisely because we're not talking about half the population. We're not talking here about increasing the participation of women in C-suite who represent half the population. So the facts are being ignored and government policy aligned to this kind of corporate policy damages society as a whole. Once you create all these subgroups, you get mired in this problem of how small do we actually go. If we keep making subgroups that are so infinitesimally small, we'll tie ourselves up in knots. I think once a subgroup becomes so small in numbers to make management artificially and disproportionately reflect that subgroup, not because it reflects society, but to appear woke, is just insidious. More objective measures like merit are probably then the best default because the risk of corruption by the individuals deciding what subgroup to favour is removed. Merit may not be perfect, but it's better than having government decide who to favour. You often wonder how terrible events in history happened. Well, it doesn't happen overnight. There's often a perfect storm of events and seemingly more pressing concerns, which means that no one is mobilised to fight against it. Often there's widespread censorship and propaganda, and that paves the way for consolidating even more government power. And when fear is added to the mix, you can end up with terrible results. So free speech is needed to keep tyrants at bay at the outset. Censorship is what emboldens tyrants to seize even more power. Woke propaganda and censorship is not benign because meanwhile, in the background, while we're all complacent, the woke brigade are entrenching their views, consolidating power and wealth in a very compassionate way, of course, and for our professed safety. I mean, it's so patronising. When you are complacent, these inroads initially overlooked soon become entrenched because the population is slowly brainwashed. 
sex ed, diversity training, this training, that training. This is all compulsory nowadays. And if it was all truly on topic and transparent, that would be okay, but it's corrupted with different agendas. The accomplices in government, media and corporate are all working together to increase their profits and power. And before you know it, we have a situation we're now in where if you espouse contrary views, even those held by the majority, or you want to simply debate, you're cancelled and outed. The nuance is completely lost. You're not objecting to someone having different views. You're objecting to everything being changed without any debate whatsoever and potentially to cater to a lie that is quite damaging. With the trans debate, and there really isn't allowed to be one, I don't doubt the feelings, but the solutions are debatable. The gender debate is just one of many where we are so unwilling to even agree on the facts, even when they're staring us right in the face. I mean, it's debatable whether this subgroup achieves what it says it is. Just because someone wants to physically alter their body in a radical way that can't even be done, so it's a fiction, doesn't mean we have to pretend it can be done, that it's real, and that it's a good thing just to be compassionate. They haven't changed their sex. They've mutilated their body, pumped themselves full of drugs, and had plastic surgery to change the appearance of body parts. And often it goes really badly for them. So why are we pretending it's real, that it can be done, enabling it, encouraging our children to do it, and harming the real sexes who haven't transitioned in the process, in all facets of their life, sports, work, school. We're talking about children who are still infants. Why do we have to promote lies that transitioning is a good thing to appear empathetic when it's anything but, to score brownie points as woke because we've lost the power to object? I'm not advocating non-acceptance or disrespect, just that views are not shut down. So with everyone not agreeing on the facts, is it any wonder we can't come up with the solutions? Look at what has happened in sports. What was seen as compassionate, allowing trans females to compete in female races despite obvious advantages which cannot be debated, then having them scoop the pool, literally in swimming, and get all the most lucrative sponsorships has been a disaster for women. And corporates fuel this with their lucrative sponsorships and media coverage to further silence any debate. It's insidious. Because you have to produce an unbelievably potent bureaucracy to make the ever greater and ever finer distinctions that are necessary to enforce equality of outcome. How many group differences are you going to equalize across? Is it just gender and sex? How many genders? No, so gender and ethnicity? How many genders? I think How many what, ethnicities? What How many races? <laughs> I find it really surprising that there isn't widespread condemnation, but I think COVID has softened us up a bit for getting used to handing over responsibility. I mean, it was a conditioning. And anyone in government wants more control. The more dependent you are, the more power is consolidated. I mean, we saw it with Fauci. Any other views, no matter how legitimate, other scientific views were silenced and ridiculed and those people's careers destroyed because Fauci was science self-declared. That complacency meant we never got to the bottom of things. We were confined to a five kilometre radius in our walks during COVID. Schools were shut, so we deserve accountability. We were told an urgent response was so critical to what was a pandemic apocalypse that we had to give up our freedoms. But where's the analysis post-pandemic? Were all the restrictions absolutely necessary? Did they all work? And how do we avoid the same thing happening again with a pandemic? The US Senate hearing should have provided some accountability, but they did not. 
We still don't know where or how COVID originated because people were allowed to obfuscate and not answer questions on the basis that they found the questions dangerous or insulting. I mean, we got into bed with a communist dictatorship in Gainer Research, which is risky at the best of times. And conveniently now, there's no transparency because it was a communist country. So this enables Fauci and the incumbents to duck responsibility. How convenient. The typical playbook is referring to any attempt to get at the truth as harassment, and this is what is being done. There are views on a whole range of topics, not just the ones I've mentioned, that are regarded as heretical. Wokeness polices our views socially, in the workplace, and at home. We now take a very restrictive view on who is fit to be a member of a profession based on things like political views, which is truly alarming. It's part of an overarching view that someone else knows best, not the individual. Jordan Peterson was forced by his professional body to undergo a course of professionalism in his media statements because he was a professed risk to the public. So why did Jordan have to be censored for our protection? You guessed it. He dared speak about COVID restrictions and surgery in transitioning. Basically, it's unprofessional to give your honest views these days, and even views that have majority support. But if you spout wokeism, well, that's truly professional. But for the fact that Jordan Peterson is very wealthy and doesn't need his clinical work for money, his career would be threatened and potentially over if he was prevented from practicing. And best case, he'd be under constant surveillance. He's been suspended from Twitter in pre-Elon Musk days. So the idea is that he needs to be censored for our protection. It's straight out of George Orwell with the animals, the pigs, dictating what is good for everyone else. I mean, that is disguised tyranny. We would never have stood for this encroachment into our personal lives and thoughts in the 1980s. We used to be scared of bombs, but not contrary views. The problem with that is who is the judge of which view prevails? And if you try and speak up, even if you form part of the majority, say with being against medicating or operating on kids with gender dysphoria, potentially, you are just pummeled, socially scorned, if not cancelled. It's ludicrous. It's no wonder the celebrities are reinforcing wokeism because it protects their income. There is truly no danger from a view that perhaps you think is obnoxious. It is far more dangerous to allow someone else, Google or other corporates, to critique this themselves and become tyrannical. And anyway, why wouldn't you want to know the views that are out there, even if they're not aligned with yours? The fact that some countries prevent you from espousing obnoxious views, particularly somewhere like Canada, is dangerous. Holocaust deniers are ridiculed. We know they're pathological. Prince Harry wasn't arrested and charged in the UK when he donned a Nazi uniform. He had the benefit of freedom of expression. He didn't break the law. He was scorned instead for it. So he suffered. But now the woke so-called progressives, but really just tyrants using past dictators' playbooks, are fully on the bandwagon of suppressing any views that have the potential to hurt someone else in their subjective view. It's heretical to our democratic ideals. We need to stand up for our democracies. And it affects every aspect of our life and even life itself, our continued existence. So get on your school boards and councils, kick up a fuss, do whatever you can in your particular sphere of influence, but do not abdicate responsibility to someone else.